0: We have an active shooter. We have an active shooter inside the warehouse. Welcome to Active Shooter, a podcast that covers the whys, the hows, and the aftermath of active shooter and mass casualty events. They have an active shooter in the building. A second call says they uh, are being attacked. i am in shot. 16910 means we got shots fired at 415A at the Route to 91. Sounded like an automatic firearm. Active shooter, reports of an active shooter, active shooter, active
1: shooter of mass casualty
0: incidents. Thank you for listening. You are listening to Active Shooter, a podcast that may contain adult themes, explicit language and graphic depictions of violence. Portions of this show may be traumatic for those under 18. Listener discretion is advised. Breaking news this hour, and at least eight people have been hit by a van in Toronto in Canada, leaving many of them injured. Witnesses say the driver mounted the curb, hitting pedestrians, walking along the sidewalk before driving off. This all happened in the north of the city's business district just before 2 p.m. local time. The driver has now been taken into custody. While the cases we have covered thus far on Active Shooter, the podcast, have been about active shooter incidents, we have decided to cover a different type of mass casualty event for today's episode. The person that we will cover today used a vehicle as his weapon of choice to plow through a crowded Canadian sidewalk and take the lives of 10 innocent people while injuring 16. While 16 people were physically injured, the amount of people who were mentally and emotionally damaged is unknown. But the number is far, far more than 16. Active Shooter the podcast is a High Five Holly production, and I'm your host, JT. If you've listened to our prior episodes, you know that the Active Shooter podcast team has taken the No Notoriety Pledge, and we will not be sharing the real name of the shooters that we cover. We will be giving the shooters a pseudonym and refer to them by that name throughout the episode. This will help in clearing up any confusion in the story while remaining true to our pledge in not naming the shooter by their actual name. In today's episode, we will be referring to the shooter as... Jackson. On April 23rd, 2018, there were many people out enjoying the springtime weather in Toronto, Canada. Between 12.30 and 1.00 p.m., Jackson stopped at the Ryder Truck Rental Company to pick up the rental van he called and reserved about a month prior. He made the reservation over the phone and used a credit card to pay the $400 deposit required to hold the van. He told the company that he was a local student and that he would be moving soon and needed the van to move some furniture. When Jackson entered the rental facility, the staff couldn't help but notice the awkwardness of the 25-year-old, and that he was constantly looking over his shoulder. Once the paperwork was signed, the woman behind the counter handed Jackson the keys to the Chevrolet Express Rider rental van. The woman watched Jackson as he walked over to the van, got inside, and sat there for about 20 minutes. What she didn't know was that Jackson was making one last post to his Facebook page, stating that the, quote, incel rebellion has begun. Since Jackson had been sitting there for quite some time, the woman walked out to the parking lot and asked if there was anything that she could help him with. He asked if she could teach him how to put the van in park, as he isn't used to newer model vehicles. She did so, and Jackson left, heading towards the intersection of Young Street and Finch Avenue. At around 1.22 p.m., Jackson drove the van over a curb and onto the sidewalk of Young Street and started forward again.
1: I was driving down young because I knew it would be a busy area, and then as soon as I saw there were uh, pedestrians, Mm -hmm. I just decided to uh, go for it.
0: As Jackson was driving down the sidewalk, he was looking directly into the eyes of the victims as he plowed them over, killing and injuring the innocent people who were out enjoying the day. He was looking at me, and then he saw that old lady, and he turned left a little bit to hit the lady on the sidewalk. And then he started driving down. As soon as he passed my car, he turned around, he looked at me face to face. That's when I saw he was a very angry and scared young guy. At one point, Jackson drove back onto the road, as the sidewalk had gotten too narrow for the van to proceed on. After going a short distance on the road, Jackson hopped back over the curb and continued driving on the sidewalk. The first 911 call came through at 1.25 p.m., and the police quickly responded to the chaos. There were bodies lying everywhere. Uninjured pedestrians were attempting to administer first aid to the wounded, and there were smashed mailboxes, poles, fire hydrants, and bus stop shelters everywhere. There was four bodies on the ground. Police and the ambulance hadn't arrived yet, but uh, people were trying to revive them. Toronto Services Constable Ken Lamb was responding to the scene when he came upon a damaged van and a man, Jackson, standing outside near the driver's side door. As Constable Lamb approached, he noticed that Jackson was holding something in his hand. Constable Lamb relied on his training and police officer instincts when he unholstered his weapon in preparation to exchange gunfire, as it appeared Jackson was pointing a gun. Shoot me in the head, demanded Jackson, begging Constable Lamb to shoot him. Listen carefully to this next clip. You can hear Jackson yelling at the constable to kill me and telling him he had a gun in his pocket.
1: Come on, get down! Kill me! No, get down! Get down! I've got my pocket! I'm scared, get down! I've got my pocket! Get down! Get down, get down and get shot! In the head!
0: At this point, Constable Lamb noticed that what Jackson had in his hand wasn't a gun at all, and was actually a wallet. Constable Lamb holstered his weapon and began to reason with Jackson, and ultimately asked him to lay on the ground with his hands in the air. Jackson complied to all orders given, and he was put under arrest with no further incident.
1: It is a focal point of our training piece Um, uh, having said that that particular situation yesterday uh, the uh, the way in which it went down was uh, nothing short of remarkable.
0: The scene was chaotic to say the least. There were bodies everywhere in the road and on the sidewalks people running and yelling for help. Some people were dead silent and some people were screaming at the top of their lungs. My first thing was Get out of the way. These guys need help. Someone call 911. The van ultimately came to a stop at Points Avenue, 1.4 miles south of where the attack began. Jackson drove on the sidewalk plowing people over for a little over a half-mile stretch, killing 10 people in all. The only
1: reason I stopped my attack was because someone's drink got splashed on my uh, windshield, and I was worried that I would... uh, Crushed, uh, van anyway, so.
0: Nine victims died at the scene, while the tenth died later at the hospital at 8:15 p.m. Another 16 people were injured. All victims were taken to the Sunnybrook Health Services Center. This was a relatively new type of mass casualty event that no one could have seen coming.
1: Um, from like I said, from anywhere from the Young and Finch area all the way down to the Young and Shepherd area, um, was just uh, uh, there was debris, there was clothing, there was uh, uh, police units, fire units, ambulance units everywhere.
0: The attack occurred in a predominantly Iranian part of Toronto. Whether this was planned or not, we don't really know. Most of the victims were women. This seems to be purely coincidental, as it would have been nearly impossible for Jackson to strike only females from behind the wheel. Anne-Marie D'Amico was a 30-year-old investment banker who worked for Invesco, which was an investment management firm. Anne-Marie was heavily involved in the tennis community and enjoyed volunteering for different tennis events in the area. Dorothy Sewell was 80 years young and was a long-time employee at Sears Department Store. Dorothy was a dedicated Toronto sports fan and loved the Maple Leafs and Blue Jays. Her family later said that Dorothy never missed a Blue Jays game. Renica Amarasegne was 45 years old and a single mother to a 7-year-old little boy. She was an employee of the Toronto District School Board, where she worked as a nutrition services staff member. Renica was a Sri Lankan native. Eddie Kang was a 45-year-old chef who worked at the Copacabana Brazilian Steakhouse. He was passionate about his job as a chef. Eddie was from Toronto. Munir al-Najjar was an 85-year-old grandfather from Jordan. He was visiting Toronto, where one of his children lived. Betty Forsythe was 94 years old. She was known for taking regular walks through the neighborhood where she fed the birds and squirrels. So Hee Chung was a 22-year-old student at the University of Toronto. She was pursuing a Bachelor of Science degree. When not studying, she worked as a sales associate at Holt Renfrew. Holt Renfrew is a high-end department store headquartered in Toronto. Geraldine Brady was an 85-year-old great-grandmother who was known as Jerry to those who loved her. She was a very talented seamstress and sold Avon products for more than 45 years. Andrea Braddon was a 35-year-old woman from Woodbridge, Ontario. Andrea worked as an account executive at a company called Gartner. Ji Hoon Kim was a 22-year-old South Korean citizen. She was also a student in Toronto. Toronto, Canada is the capital city of Ontario, and it is also the most populous city in all of Canada, with a population of 2.9 million people. Toronto is one of the most multicultural cities in the world, and is a prominent place for music, Movie, and television productions. There are many things to do in Toronto, such as museums, festivals, galleries, and numerous other public events. The Toronto skyline is also well known and a beautiful sight. The tallest freestanding structure in the Western Hemisphere is located in Canada. It's called the CN Tower. While Toronto is a very populated city, you may be surprised to hear that the crime rate in Toronto is relatively low and is considered one of the safest major cities in North America. Jackson was born on November 3, 1992, and he lived in Canada for his entire life. His parents were both immigrants, his father from Armenia and his mother from Iran. He grew up in a normal and loving household with both of his parents and a brother. From a young age, Jackson appeared to be different. He went to elementary school at 16th Avenue Public School in Richmond Hill, where he is enrolled in special education classes in addition to his normal, everyday class. When it came time to go to secondary school, Jackson was enrolled at Thornlea Secondary School in Thornhill. While he was at Thornlea, he was again enrolled into special education classes. His home life appeared to be quite normal. He grew up in a large, two story home on Elmsley Drive in Richmond Hill. His dad worked as a senior manager of a software development company called Rogers, and his mom worked as an IT service provider. While the family always seemed to be rather private, they never came across as being rude or disrespectful. Jackson's mother struggled with raising him since the day he was born. He often had outlandish tantrums and acted out. Former teachers reported similar behavior of throwing tantrums as well as isolating himself from classmates. If it were up to him, he preferred to be by himself rather than with other students. A former classmate said that when Jackson was 10 years old, he would hoard toys in the corner of the classroom, and if anyone tried to touch him, he would scream and growl at them. While enrolled at Thornley, a secondary school, Jackson was diagnosed with Asperger's syndrome. He was never seen with a group of friends, always kept to himself, and was constantly rubbing his head and hands. Unfortunately. His classmates saw this as just odd behavior and didn't understand Jackson's diagnosis. He was quickly labeled as the weird kid. He was odd. He just, you know, most people say hello, he at least say hello, and he wouldn't. He'd just keep going. At 15 years old, Jackson's parents bought him his first computer. This is when he started playing video games for hours on end, especially a game called Halo, which was a first-person shooter game. He enjoyed playing with an online community and felt that the people he met online were his friends. His mom took him to life skills counseling and enrolled him in learning strategies class. He actually enjoyed the learning strategies class and even made a few friends. He quickly became the class clown as he enjoyed making others laugh by telling jokes and talking in funny accents. His mom also hired him to work at her office making copies filing, and shredding. He enjoyed having a job and a purpose. He worked a few other jobs, almost all in the IT department, as a quality assurance developer, as well as a software developer where he worked on a wine shopping app. Jackson graduated high school and almost immediately enrolled at Seneca College in New York in 2011. Fellow classmates still noticed Jackson's odd behavior, such as walking around campus with his head down, hands clasped, and making meowing noises. He was always early to class and would sit by himself. When he was speaking in class or to other people, he would blink rapidly and squeeze his eyes shut. While his behavior was odd, classmates said that he seemed harmless and they weren't scared of him. Jackson started as a research assistant at Seneca's Center for Development of Open Technology, which he seemed to really enjoy. He also built his own Android app that helped people find free parking spots. In 2017, just one semester before Jackson was supposed to graduate, he decided to drop out of college and enroll in the Canadian Armed Forces. Unfortunately, after only 16 days, Jackson asked to be released from the recruit school. Much like when he was in school, Jackson became the butt of all jokes while in the recruit school, and he was constantly bullied. He didn't adapt well to military life. Others said that he didn't seem violent or angry. He just failed the physical demands. Jackson had dreams of becoming a pilot, a dream that quickly disappeared. He became involved in the incel community online. We spoke about the incel community in episode 13 when we covered the Isla Vista shooting.
1: I felt kind of uh, proud of him for uh, his acts of bravery. Okay, all right. And what about... uh how you started to, 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 to change your thinking. Was, was, any the, was, was any of that going on? I was starting to feel radicalized at that time.
0: As stated in that episode, the term incel comes from, quote, involuntary celibates. A female Canadian university student created the term incel when she started a website where she could discuss her sexual inactivity with others. The woman started the website in 1993 and today states she is appalled at what the term incel has become. She never wanted the term to turn into men blaming women for their sexual problems. To be more clear, an incel is described as a person who is unable to find a romantic or sexual partner, even though they want one. It's
1: involuntarily celibate. These are young people, mostly men, who feel that they have been forced into celibacy, that, that they haven't had success with... Uh, women in uh, romantic and sexual relationships. And over time, you know, that can really curdle
0: into some really uh, resentful sentiments uh, about women in general. Throughout his interview with police, Jackson continued to use the terms incels, chads, and stacys. The names chad and stacy are used within the incel community to indicate males who are muscular and tend to sleep with a lot of women. The names Chad and Stacy are used within the incel community to indicate males who are muscular and tend to sleep with a lot of women, known as the Chads, and women who are attractive and only date Chads are referred to as Stacys.
1: On Halloween of 2013, I was attending a house party mm-hmm. and I uh, walked in and attempted to uh, socialize with some uh, girls. Uh, However, they all uh, laughed at me and uh, held the the arms of the uh, big guys instead. Really? Yeah. And how did that make you feel? I felt uh, very angry that they would, because I considered myself a supreme gentleman, I was angry that they would um, give their love and affection to obnoxious brutes.
0: Before Jackson committed his tirade of destruction, he made a Facebook status in the parking lot of the Ryder Van rental place, stating the incel rebellion had begun, much like what the shooter in the Isla Vista shootings did. After his arrest, Jackson was immediately taken to the police station to be questioned. He took part in a four-hour interview, where investigators started to peel away the layers that made up Jackson. They learned that he had zero remorse for his attack, and that he was proud of himself for accomplishing his mission. He told the investigators, that he was a virgin, and never had a girlfriend, and admitted that his intention was to use the van as a weapon. He also made it clear that he hoped his attack would inspire copycat attacks.
1: I know of several other guys over the internet who uh, feel the same way.
0: On the day after the attack, April 24th, 2018, Jackson had his first court appearance. His father attended the hearing, looking tired, with sunken eyes. As he left the courthouse, he was surrounded by different media personnel shouting various questions. He ignored them as he got into the vehicle and drove away. On this date, Jackson was officially charged with 10 counts of first-degree murder and 13 counts of attempted murder. On May 10th, 2018, he was charged with three additional counts of attempted murder. Jackson's defense team fixated on when Jackson was booked into the jail, when it is alleged that the booking officer asked Jackson, If he had any illnesses. This is a question that is asked of every person that is booked into the jail. Jackson replied with yes. I am a murdering piece of shit.
1: First of all, you don't have to agree with it, but do you understand why you're here?
0: I understand.
1: Okay. Um, I gotta go through a questionnaire. Simple questionnaire we do for everybody. Yes or no answers, okay? But it's important that you speak so that the microphones can pick you up. Do you understand? Yes. Okay, are you suffering from any recent injuries? No. Are you suffering from any illnesses? Yes, I'm a murdering piece of shit.
0: His defense attorney team is trying to get the statement thrown out, stating that his right to remain silent was violated. Prosecutors have argued back that he didn't have to answer the question. Jackson's trial is set for some time in April of 2020. He has elected to have a bench trial, which is in front of a judge rather than a trial in front of a jury. Several victims have filed civil lawsuits against Jackson and the Ryder Truck Rental Company. Amir Kiamarsi was a chemistry professor who was injured in the attack. He was left with a brain injury, spinal fractures a pulmonary embolism, memory loss, vertigo, anxiety, and depression. Amir sued for $6 million. A nurse who was also injured sustained a spinal cord injury, as well as brain damage. She can't move her body below her neck and can't breathe without a machine. She has sued for $14 million. As you can see, not all mass casualty attacks involve an active shooter. They can involve something as mundane as a van. It is up to us as a whole to keep each other safe. Remember, if you see something, say something. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Active Shooter, the podcast. Remember, if you see something, say something. There's no telling how many lives you may be saving. Active shooter. Reports of an active shooter. Active shooter. Active
1: shooter of mass casualty incidents.
0: Make sure to check us out on social media. We have a discussion group on Facebook. Just search for Active Shooter, the podcast discussion group. You can also find us on Instagram at ActiveThePodcast and Twitter at podcast active. For just $1 a month, you can get access to ad-free episodes, Early release episodes when available, and a shout-out on the show. Just go to patreon.com forward slash active the podcast. Thank you, and be safe.